Spook. Yes. Whatever happened to our premiership clock? Well, Sly, I made the executive decision to replace it with a premiership cock. A premiership cock? Yes, a premiership cock. And here he is. Welcome to the final Home Away Round episode of the Collingwood Rant. I am Sly. And I am my voice isn't horse from Yelling Spook. It isn't? No. Just a little horse? I'm a little horse. What do you think of the game against the Bombers? The Bombers had about 28 players out. Yes, it's, um, it was like playing a VFL side, except um, they played like a senior side the way that we played. Um, but we won. Um, everything fell our way. We're in the top four. Um, let's move on to Mephitic. <laughs> sort of a bit early. Uh, seeing on the couch prior to the, uh, prior to the game, not prior to the game, prior to the game, Pies are ranked second for points from turnovers in the past four weeks. A dramatic rise from an 18th position ranking between rounds 10 and 18, where we were flat and shitty. Mm-hmm. Coincidentally, uh, the coming sides, that's why it's coincidentally, yep. with Taylor Adams and Rupert Wills coming back, they've been the team's number one and two ranked pressure players during that time. Oh, good on them. Uh, so it shows how important Adams is to that side and Wills, and I'm assuming that side did a very similar thing last year. There's a blast from the past. Yeah. Uh, Phil, um, <laughs> unfortunately, funny. we got jumped from the onset. Essendon got the three goals up. Could yep. have been a little bit uglier. We reeled them in. Uh, I think, although it sort of seemed like a really lackluster game in terms of intensity from our standpoint. I mean, it really reminded me of 2010, that final game against Hawthorne, mm. where we were just sort of trotting around, waiting for the game to end. And if we won, we won. I mean, the difference there in 2010, we couldn't move. This year, we could, but it was going to rely on results. And so all we needed to do was get the win. But something I think it's worth pointing out is we lost more and we lost Scharenberg pretty early. Yep. And I, did you see Buckley's press conference? No. He, Enlighten me. He said, uh, Greenwood... You know, he looks at it himself as like a player who takes care of his teammates. So He certainly uh, took care of him. <laughs> so after he knocked out uh, Scharenberg, he was quite rattled and not altogether there. So you had like two, 2.5 players missing from the side. So you're lacking rotations and all that sort of stuff. Grundy was magnificent. Yes, he again. was. Yep. Surely he should get free votes. Surely he should win the Brownlow and I can clean up. Jamie Elliott continues his resurgence yes, of yes. form, except for his kicking. Great goal from the pocket. Yep, And Excellent. then missed the two straight out in front. Uh, Mayo, Mayo was brilliant, mm-hmm. and Josh Thomas I thought was good. Yeah, he's starting to uh, eke his way back into some form, which is um, the perfect time of the year. And just a message to Travis Varco: kick the fucking goal. You know what do you do? Run through the goal square. I could not believe he got clear, ran through the goal square, and then drilled a pass over his teammate's Have head. Have you ever seen anything like it before? That was. In your life? I, I thought, oh well done. You've got a clear. You're going to snap it. No, I'm going to run away from the goals and try and do the team thing. Maybe but, he's got blinkers on. Did he have blinkers on? I don't know. I want to see that totally cut out of every forwards game. If you have the opportunity, you no, go. No, that's, that's not where you lay off. I don't know whether it's you know, it's it's you know, not doing the what was it called um, doing the team thing or, or whatnot. But there's just too many of them that just get in and look for the short option when they yep. should be having a shot. If you have a shot and miss, we're happy in the stands. Yep. You fuck it up. We're, we're going to talk about it here. Do I'd, the math. I'd be pissed off if 
you're going for a shot, like a, a one in a million shot. And that wasn't a one in a million. He did all the hard work. He got clear. Great that shot, was the, kid. That was yeah. one in a million. Yeah. So that was the one difficult thing he had to do. I'd be upset if like they're on the point post and they try to dribble it through nine opposition when they had someone clear at the 25 meter mark. That's when you lay off. All the great forwards from Peter Dacos onwards, they knew when to go and when to lay off. Too many players in this side don't know when to do what. I think the goey's probably one who's got the best sense in terms of I know when to go and when not to go. And with the goey, it's great because even if there's a bit of sense of outrageousness about what he's going to do, he's, he knows, yeah, I can pull this one off. But that one, I'll just do the team thing. Like, remember against Essendon, he just did the volleyball tap back to the Hoskinelli. Yeah. He knows when to go. That sort of shit is just unacceptable. Anyway, second half, pressure, our pressure went up. I don't think it was ever like a frenetic game. We only got like no. 50 tackles. But, you know, you look at the second half, we kicked 4-9 to 3-3. So we had 12, uh, 13 shots to 6, more because we would have put some on the floor. Last quarter, we kicked 2-7 to 1-2. Really controlled the game, iced them out of it. They didn't actually probably have the personnel to really match it with us, especially after Hurley went down. Tip and Woody was fantastic. Mm-hmm. You know, if you could throw them, maybe, I don't know, Travis Varco and swap so we can get, you know, a forward. Because he was the one guy I thought just attracted Travis Woody. Tim Woody. Trevor Woody. Trevor Woody. Or give him Josh Thomas. I don't know, I'm sorry. You know, his attack on the ball, his intensity was just first class. And from the first half, I thought he was BAG. You know, if Essendon was going to win, it was going to win because he was just doing everything required to get in there. Mm-hmm. Obviously, again, we had players just waiting uh, for the finals. Magnum, I thought, got shown up a bit, but I can't entirely blame him because midfield pressure was just pretty mediocre. Ball was coming down a bit. Ruffy got a goal, did some nice things up forward, uh, and the rest of the mids just chipped in and did what they needed to do to get through the game. Yeah, so there was um, there was two things I, I thought afterwards about the game, and we talked a little bit about it, in, in terms of that um, Essendon clearly rested a lot of players in their vain attempt to win a final um, in two weeks' time, which meant that you had a whole bunch of either VFL players or or returners coming back in. And I think their desire to stay in that side yeah. clearly lifted their performance. And secondly was, as I think, you know, as you said with the, the 2010 game, we cotton wool. You go into self-preservation mode, nobody wants to get injured during this type of game. And I think we just did enough at the end to, to, to get into the back into the four and hopefully stay there. I think we going into it, we were looking for potentially, hopefully, a percentage booster. But yeah, as it turns out, um, they knew more than we did, and um, it, it didn't really matter in the end. But um, I was probably expecting a little bit more intensity out of the game for us because there was stakes there. But anyway, well, we look at it. I mean, we went nine shots in the last quarter of three, so if we kicked a little bit accurate, we would have won by like five, mm. six goals. Uh, you know, and you, who knows if they kicked a little bit accurately, Essendon may have dropped their heads and just given up. It was always within a couple of goal mark, but it never actually felt like they were going to uh, run away. Yeah, for attackers. Out of curiosity, what do you think of the umpiring? Um, I mean, you've obviously got some examples, but I don't remember it glaringly stand out. No, I was sitting next to an Essendon supporter who was just going, oh, this happens to us every week. We just get robbed. And he was just blabbering about how they constantly suffer the worst of the umpiring, which I reckon is just a load of shit. I mean, anyone who watched that GWS Essendon game when the umpiring about 29-12 in Essendon's favour and 14 zip in the second half. Yeah, I don't think mm. it's that bad. Anyway, final thoughts? Uh, we won. We're yeah. in the top four. Yep. We'll be back with Media Mathetic. Could be a short one. Or a long one. What the cock?
Welcome back to the medium ethic. <laughs> Ross Lyons sacked. Surprise you? Uh, no. Would you take him at Collingwood? Uh, no. You I would? I would definitely. I think he's insane. Um, I think if we needed someone to uh, to help us lose the next uh, three grand finals, then yes, I would. No, I don't think you can actually criticise him for that. You've got within two grand finals of a couple of kicks of a uh, flag. Yes, so did we last year. So what do we need him for? Because we're probably going to lose Justin Longmuir back to Fremantle. And I think tactically he's a good coach. I don't think he'd come and, and settle for an assistant. Oh, no, if, yeah, he'd, I mean, be, he'd be insane enough to go straight yeah. into the media. And the thing with Russ Lyon, I've heard like uh, people sort of say he has a very abrasive personality. But you look at all the people like Nick Rewalt to Matthew Pavlich, they all love him. Oh, yeah. And yeah. so the Freo players clearly love him as well. Yeah. So, you know, I don't think his uh, personality, the way it's being reported, is actually accurate. Mark Stevens reported a couple of weeks ago that the goalie left the track with awareness of a hamstring concern. What, was it Moots? Was he no. aware of Moots' hamstring? I think he was aware that he had one. Do you, re- you think this is going too far with um, this awareness shit? Um, yeah, it's a little bit over the top. I mean, clearly we've heard today that um, uh, Moore's scans come back um, negative and they're citing hamstring awareness. So I don't know whether it becomes too much of a... Uh, panic trigger for them to think that maybe there's something wrong and then I'll pull myself off so to speak <laughs> that yeah. came out the wrong way what an unfortunate turn of <laughs> phrase um, yeah so but yeah, I don't know whether it now becomes a bit of a crutch for anyone that says oh I've got a bit of a, a bit of awareness a bit of a crutch a bit of awareness <laughs> crutch Cox pulling off it's all happening today uh, player manager Liam Pickering says Darcy Moore is staying put at Collingwood well because he can't move <laughs> pretty much um <laughs> I want to leave, but I can't. I've still got one foot in I'm the door. I'm aware of something. Yeah. What would you pay for Grundy? Tim Watson says he wouldn't be paying the money that's been bandied about for a Ruckman. See, I don't fathom this one. Um, my understanding is, is um, look, from my perspective, you give him whatever he wants. Um, he wants seven years, if the rumours are to be, uh, believe it true, and they've said too much, and the club said too much, you just said too much, and yet we, we gave Dane Beams four years. I'll, I'll and we only offered Grundy three. Well, I didn't want to give me. <laughs> I, I know, but this is the mentality of it. Is that you, you've given four years to someone who potentially isn't going to last four years, and you're balking at probably the best Ruckman come midfielder that the, the Collingwood's ever seen. I would seen. give Grundy five. I wouldn't give him seven because he's 25 now. Seven will take him into his 30s. And for a player of his style, as he gets older, I don't know if he's going to be as effective because he's going to lose that agility and stuff. So that would be my concern for seven-year contract. I think anyone... I mean, that like the Buddy Franklin nine-year contract, I think was insane. I understand why they did it to land him. But I think five is pretty much the most I would give to anyone who's in their prime. Grundy has a pretty good injury profile. I don't think oh, he's very durable this, at this stage. At this stage. We probably, until, until we, we said we this. We probably just killed him now. Yeah. But seven years for any player, I don't care. You know, if it was Pendlebury in his prime or whoever the case, I wouldn't do seven years because... It's just, I think, too big a chance. So the funny thing is, he's still contracted next year. So it's the media that's making this an urgent thing to to tie him up. Now, granted, if he's uncontracted next year, he becomes a free agent and then it becomes a battle for money. Now, I don't have any doubts that he wants to say, and I'm sure they'll leak out some sort of deal, but it doesn't have to happen now. No. It can happen off-season. It can happen while he's over in Bali. But just the query is whether you'd give him the reported seven, Um, the age seven. I probably would, because he's a a once-in-a-lifetime player. They deserve a little bit of extra special love. Talking about list management, Sam Murray 
is free to play next year. And that just come out of the uh, yeah. out of the ether. Would you keep him on? I think they will. Um, Would you keep him on? Look, prior to him um, having his incident, I mean, he started well and then sort of got a little bit found out. But I think there's something there to work with. He yep. certainly has that line breaking pace, and that's the whole reason we brought him in. I'd keep him there and just see what he's he's capable. He's not going to cost us anything to hang around. No, I mean, I, I just think because of the way the list is structured, you're going to be losing definitely Wells at the end of this year, yeah. Dunn, potentially Reed, and then there's a few other guys like Goldsack. Uh, yeah, it's going to be a right turn. So, you, you, yeah, you can't Varko. cut the list. So I think you need some of those you know, mid-range guys like Will, uh, Wills and Murray and those sort of speculative picks who have put a lot of time into actually staying and to hopefully turn them over or if it, at worst make them transitional players so they can hang around for two years give them provide depth and then bring new guys in yep Colin got us three players in the AA squad Grundles Pendles and Trelaw Trelaw leads the leagues in league in possessions yeah that'd be the only real reason they picked him surely Oh, I think he's been useful. I don't think he's been great until, no, I don't think he's been until added all Australian form. But I'd be curious how he fares in the brown like given that he's very much a possessions award now. Yeah, I'm still fairly confident that Grundy will poll more consistently. I think Trelaw will probably get a, three, a few three votes, but he... So the problem with Collingwood is I think you're going to get a number of players who are going to take votes off one another yet again. I think someone like Cripps could potentially do well because he's probably going to get votes in a lot of those narrow losses. He might even do a Chris Judd and get three votes in a nine-goal loss. But he doesn't have a lot of people who are going to be taking votes away from him. You know, which is like, which is one reason I think the Brownlow's full of shit. Because well, it is. It's you, a midfielder's award. But it's just this, also the fact of, well, who else is taking votes from you? You know, you might have a team that gets 120 votes between them all or whatever, and then someone wins it from a team that only gets 50 votes, and the player who won it got 30 of those. It's like, well, hang on, that's not really fair, because these guys were losing votes to teammates, and you were the only one polling in your side. So how is it actually the best? It's not technically the best? Generally, though, I think it gets it right. No, it doesn't. Okay. Well, I'm glad we fixed that. No. I just think it's, it's skewed. So, And now, as you said, it's a midfielder's award, so yeah, people aren't being recognised like... You know, full backs, full forwards. I mean, when's the last time a Ruckman won it? Well, you think, well, it's a loose sort of uh, association, but you remember that year that Rich, Richo almost pulled it off mm-hmm. when he was moved onto the wing. So you get a mid. Yeah. So, yeah, it's technical. I suppose you're right there. But that, that was one that was breaking the mould. Um, but I think, you know, the, certainly, I don't think too many people, if Grundy wins it this year, I don't think there'd be anyone complaining. No, no, except probably uh, no, Ralph. You, and as you call him, he's... Robbo and a few of the others. He's also a mid. Anyway... Derek Brennan says we should trade Jamie Elliott as we have Stevenson and the Goey and those two can play multiple positions whereas uh, Elliott's a one position player. I didn't read this article but I did read um, a snippet where apparently he says that the Goey and Elliott are, likely, are unlikely to ever push into the midfield so apparently because of that equation we have a dearth of these players. No. Um, no I don't think that's true. I'd, I'd certainly at this stage I'd, I'd be keeping them all I'd be collecting the set. Well, you're thinking, I'd look at it from the point of view that if the guy was City, he'd be playing more midfield time now anyway. Uh, and Stevenson will be pushing into the midfield at some stage of his career. So those two will actually move away from the forward line, which is the reason why Elliot should stay, mm. is because he will be the guy that remains there while the players around him move. Uh, commiserations to Alex Woodward, he did his knee. Fifth time, I believe. 
Yeah, unfortunate, tragic. Mm-hmm. I'm going to give you some rumours I've got a bandit about. Tom Langdon's knee is so bad that he might retire. I heard he's going to lose the leg. <laughs> but seriously, what would you think of that? And apparently, allegedly, it is because they didn't actually treat it correctly. Oh, that'd be a shock, wouldn't it? Yeah. What we need is a $70 million facility to fix all these things. Um, I don't know. I'd, I'd, I'd be um, very disappointed that was true. Um, obviously, there's issues with the recovery of the leg, or maybe it was worse than intended, uh, first in, um, thought. Um, he's a loss. He's, he's a well, big loss, show, and I don't want to lose him to... No, uh, if Pump Games until you, you know, he, he was one of his maligned players last year. I think people recognise his value. And you're finally getting him to fit into that defensive six, and then he does an injury, and now you're saying, well, that could be it for him, which would be tragic. Uh, Darcy Moore, another rumour, is a hypochondriac. Hypochondriac. Is he? Yeah. Oh. Allegedly, a source close to us. That's what the journalists say. Not the bear. Not that bear. Bear can't bear it. Well, there's some veiled words that uh, Walsh had in the press release today around uh, the fact that there was nothing wrong, and I can't remember word for word what it said, but it sort of it was a little bit almost critical. Well, even uh, Buckley was sort of saying, "I'm not confident he'll be right," and it was like just reading between the lines. It's like because you don't think there's actually a problem there; you think there's a another issue that even if the body was right the mentality might not be. And I've heard this from a couple of sources that, and again, these are just rumours, so sue someone else. Because um, we got no money. Yep. That a couple of the times he hasn't played, there has been nothing physically wrong. Yes. Now, obviously, that could come down to a lack of confidence in the body, or it could be that there is something something of a, of a mental nature there in terms of uh, a belief that... Uh, I'm breaking down when I'm, I'm not actually uh, am or... Well, this is why I go back to why I mentioned the guy thing. So you had awareness. So how much does this prey on the mind if you do have a... Uh, I don't know, like I'm, I'm this sort of person myself. If you have a, like a health-focused mentality, so if you feel something in your body and then you're going, well, okay, I better get off because they're teaching me to respond to the, the messages my body's mm-hmm. delivering me. So I actually worry that like some, oh, I, I don't know anything about sports science, but I would worry as a I don't way, either. Yeah, just saying, just thinking. Okay, we're teaching you if you feel a twitch, go off, or if you feel a twinge, go off. And it's like, well, maybe sometimes a twinge is just like a minute. It could be a bit cramp, of cramp, or, yeah, you know, know, cramp, a bit or, of fatigue in the muscle. Yeah, especially at the end of a game where you've been running a lot. So I that's what worries me is like you over stress with certain players that hey, there's an issue here, get off. Whereas it actually isn't an issue there; just run through it. I mean, with more. He's had several frustrating years with injury. Maybe they should hypnotise him. Um, well, that would probably be with good. With a watch. Turn him into a chicken. Or a cock. Yeah. Which brings us still side bottom. Rupture testicle. Mm, I heard a rumour about this. Yeah, go, go on. That, uh, that he's busted a nut so bad that it had to come off. Yep. Ouch. Again, rumours. Was that the nut? Source close to us. Source is close to us. And we'll be right back with something new. I would have liked to have seen a doctor's report like in uh, Flying High where the nut was bouncing around on the desk. That would have been, that would have been a good news report. Maybe a triple. Uh, we'll be right back. Okay, we're right back with something new called... 
Um, the you, Stevenson Crisis. The Stevenson Crisis. I hope you build a graphic for that. <laughs> I should, if I go to work. Um, <laughs> Mick McGuartan. Could put and, the cock back up. I know someone who's not doing that in the short term. Nick McGon and Jeff Kennett slam. Jeff, Jeff who? Kennett. 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 Jeff Kennett. Kennett. Janet. Slam Jaden Stevenson being allowed to play in the VFL. McGon labelled it a disgrace. It's as far as I read. Um, Mark Stevens said, Stevenson himself approached the party the idea he could return to the VFL the day after his 12th AFL game. A step ahead of all of us and a major boost to his chances of immediate finals impact. Except for the fact that there's a buy now. <laughs> well, what an impact. I mean, I can't believe uh, how the fabric of society was almost destroyed. Oh, no, no, there's a big list. There's a big oh, list. Oh, sorry. Sorry, I've jumped the gun. So, Damien Barrett says that Jaden Stevenson... Oh, now we're into the quality journalism. <laughs> Damien Barrett says that Jaden Stevenson's AFL... Oh, sorry, VFL availability is a legally manipulated rort. Is it? Yes. Did he spell those words himself? I don't know. It's like he vomited a Scrabble board. It's like, I don't know, maybe you got a ghostwriter to do it. Jared Watley whined. Oh, sorry, sorry. <laughs> I, I think he's, hang on, you should say he's still whining. He's still whining. Well, the one journalist it's in this group I like. Uh, I didn't print all this out because he, he actually whined on television and he wrote an article about <laughs> it. Uh, whined that the penalty was contrived to allow Stevenson to play finals. He called Stevenson being allowed to return miserable governance. Well, you know, that's the AFL's motto. <laughs> governing miserably throughout season to season. And then he said, there's a delineation between a suspension from the integrity department and a suspension from the tribunal. This is intolerable. Well, only to you, mate. He wrote a whole article about it. Kylie Maslin, I don't know who this person is, said, given round 23 was still an open fixture at, at the time the suspension was handed down, and given the deal done between Collingwood and the AFL... She actually has a strong feeling, a strong feeling. The Pies lobbied heavily for a Friday night game as part of the deal in order for this to happen. Well, that would have been the only reason, surely. Sure. Okay. Because we do make up the fixture ourselves. Yes. You know, but just let me go through it. Friday night, considered prime time, blockbuster. So which of these games might you have played on Friday night instead? Let's hear the list. Sydney versus St Kilda. Oh, that's a strong contender. North versus Melbourne. Oh, bigger than Texas, that one. Geelong versus Carlton. First versus 16th. Oh. How was that not Friday night? Oh, I don't know. I mean, you add it together, it comes to 17. Suns versus Giants. <laughs> oh, I'm, 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 I'm feeling the rage building. Bulldogs versus Adelaide in Ballarat. <laughs> in Ballon. Port versus Dockers. Where was that one played? Uh, Tipperoo? The hard day. Eagles versus Hawthorne, that was a loose possibility. Yeah, yeah, that could have been, and uh, yeah. But that is still 4th versus 10th, rather than 5th versus 7th. Ended up being a good game. And it was a good game, but there's probably... Good for us! <laughs> I don't know, I mean, you know, I don't know what the fixturing is like this year, but I'd imagine because of the time difference in Perth, you probably wouldn't have that as a Friday night game, though. No, because you'd have to start at about uh, 4 o'clock in the afternoon. Yep. And the final one is Richmond versus Brisbane. First mm. versus... But, I mean, if you look at this logically, because you're going to have people flying over from Queensland, so do you want them taking the day off work Friday, which a lot of them aren't going to be able to do, or catching a flight, the first flight out of Queensland after work, driving straight to the game Friday night, 
Or do you say, hey, we'll put it Saturday afternoon, you can fly in Friday night or fly in Saturday morning and come to the game. So I think logistically it's better that that game was Saturday for people travelling from interstate. Except it was on Sunday. Sunday, whatever, in the afternoon. Whatever. Whatever. In the, we're, we're not bothered with facts on the ranch. But that, that, that actually works better. It gives people from Queensland more time. Because they can go to church in the morning. No, but they actually have time to fly, have make a weekend of it and shit like that. They're not going to fly in Friday night or not in the masses that they did. It was a pretty heavily attended game. You want the interstaters to have as much time as possible to fly in and shit like that. So I think there was more uh, ex Fitzroy supporters crawling back out of the woodwork for this. Uh, one. That's probably a possibility too. They did wear the Fitzroy jumper. Uh, so of those games, you'd really look at it and go, "Well, you know, what? Collingwood Essendon was probably the best prospect Friday night." Collingwood Essendon and Anzac Day rates fairly well, yeah, I think. You know, generally he draws a big crowd. I think we had uh, eighty-eight thousand there. On Friday night? Yeah, pro- it's not exactly difficult math to do, is it? And you're probably uh, looking Pythagoras at- wouldn't have uh, needed to be brought in to have a crack at this one. No, you're you? probably looking at the two... At that time, they thought they would play in the finals in two weeks. So this is a bit well, of a good lead-in. I mean, not against each other. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so this is a good lead-in. <laughs> so of that, it was just like, you know, I think Collingwood Essendon was the ideal game for that Friday night. John Ralph. Can I do the John Ralph voice? I don't know if I can do it. Imagine how... Filthy the highest weeks, final one the opponents. Oh, I can't speak clean. We'll when, be when, when, Stevenson- when did John Ralph become Christopher Walken? No, that's, that's too good. We'll be if Jaden Stevenson Your comes out. His watch. <laughs> comes out and kicks six in the final after having a hugely important VFL run. Even the pies don't really believe it's supposed to get by their own words. Utterly ridiculous. How'd he go? I don't know, I think I think he did alright. Um so again, bye between VFL game and AFL game. But, you know, I've got to give John Ralph kudos because I look at it from the point of view that, you know, Chris Scott, when he's addressing his charges, come, what, what are you playing, Saturday night? No, um, in the first, it's yeah. Friday night. Friday, whatever it is. Right, you know, you've just seen how good I am with days and times. Um, I can just imagine Chris Scott will be addressing his team. He'll be going to the defensive unit. Look, don't worry about the goalie. You know, I know he's a match breaker. He loves the big occasion. Don't worry about Jamie Elliott. He's kicked a fair few goals in the last four, goal, uh, four games. Worry about Jaden Stevenson. He's, had, he's got one VFL game under his belt in 10 weeks. Get on, Stevenson. Tremble with the... Uh... He's got VFL match conditioning. I don't think Chris Scott will be doing anything other than uh, mopping up his tears of despair uh, because we're not playing this game at Cadinia uh, Park. Well, I did ask um, Chris Scott what he thought of... The minute of being allowed to play, and he said this. <laughs> the minute that that was announced, I started building an ark because I'm, I'm expecting another flood of biblical proportions. So, what do you think about Stevenson being from allowed his to play? Tears. What do you think hey. about Sorry. Stevenson being allowed to play one VFL game? Good. That was the conditions, uh, and they were served. Um, if he's had the nows to put his hand up and suggest this, more power to him. Um, look, I know it can appear a bit odd because generally, I suppose you're saying that if you're suspended and um, your team plays on a Friday night, means you can go play on the on the Saturday, but I'm not sure exactly that that's the same situation as this. But it didn't kill anyone, did it? Not yet. I mean, if this was an opposition player and he came back through the VFL, would you give two shits? No, but that's another thing. Which you know, once it's Collingwood, it's a tragedy. Well, that's it. Well, and then after all this, Gillen McLaughlin, AFL CEO, Gilligan. Yeah, that's close enough. Noted that all penalties from the Integrity Department are bespoke penalties. Uh, and he noted, and it was actually really interesting because I'm going to come back and attack every journalist I've named. He noted that 
Similar leniency integrity bans were handed to Richmond's Nathan Broad and Port Adelaide's Sam Powell Pepper. And quote, both those guys actually played VFL and Sanofel during their AFL suspensions. Did they? McLaughlin said. What? Yeah. And he said of Stevenson being allowed to play, I think it's very logical. So, so where was the rage and all that? Well, that's what I'm about to say. So these fucking journalists who apparently have an issue because it's Collingwood, no one did any checking to see if this had occurred before. And you know what? Now that you see that, you know, McLaughlin says, oh, this is... both those guys actually played Verfell and, Verfell and Sanderfell. I'd be saying, wait, well, you know, I'm pissed off that you didn't allow Stevenson back four weeks ago. Why couldn't you just keep playing Verfell? You allowed it for these guys, but none of these fucking journalists who are getting paid what? What do you think Watley's getting paid to be on AFL free shit for shitty? Oh, I reckon about $8.50. Oh, come on. These guys would be on hundreds of thousands a year for shoddy journalism and no research whatsoever. It's it's just the wine of the moment, though. But because it's Collingwood. Yeah. Oh, that would be double fold. Oh, it's really fucking annoying. Seriously. And the shit that they kicked up, you, the 10 weeks was excessive as it was. Yeah, Bucks came out and said the same thing too, that he, he believed uh, six would have been enough and, you know, really um, over the top and uh, what's the end of the world if he did play? And nothing really broke anyway. I think you had a really good point about this when we were talking about it during the week, about what seems to be forgotten here is, is this, this penalty was meant to ensure that Jaden Stevenson doesn't bet again. And that was lost in the mire of uh, yep. salty tears. Now, unless well, come he, Sunday morning, we went down to the local TAB and, and Stevenson's placing a bet, what fucking harm was done? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I actually saw Stevenson at Crown last night. I said, Jaden, what are you doing? He goes, penalty doesn't mean anything. They'll let me play VFL. That's it. I mean, he, just, he just put his whole weight of money on the fucking table and bet it all on black. And he goes, I'm getting my compass fill in and we're going to yeah. get Robin Banks. Oh, it is ridiculous. I mean, the penalty was meant to teach him a lesson. I think it did that. One game of VFL. I think the penalty is, is the lesson was, is you don't ask to play VFL games ever again. I mean, the, well, we know the penalty. The lesson was don't fucking owe up to the AFL because you just get whacked. Keep stum. Yeah, anyway, we'll be back with... It's close. Mr. Boy, that much. Chief? The match preview. Finals. Welcome back to the match preview. Okay, so we're a little bit out from the finals. So when's it been playing? Saturday night? Uh, Friday night. Friday night. Friday, 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 Friday week this week. Friday week this week. 6th of September. Beware the Ides of September. All right, so let's go straight over to the venue. Let's go now. Let's go straight to the venue. Issues that it's been played at the MCG where they never play finals. Never play finals. I can't believe there's a precedent already set for this. Yep. And it's not being played at Skilled where they've played the one final. And how did that final go for them? They got smashed. Well, not really. They lost about 12 points, but still. It's Fremantle. 12 points in the Fremantle game is like... My God, that's a smashing. That's a smashing. How dare you play a game at the MCG? Unbelievable. And from our old friend, Robbo, Chris Scott is right. The final system is bizarre. Who would have thought this was coming? I should do a Robbo. Uh, the AFL must be the only sport in the world where the team which qualified higher has to play a home final at the other team's home ground. It's ridiculous. And it all comes down to money. You think? <laughs> you think? And, and you're doing your job for free, no doubt. Yes. And, and you know, the AFL... 
doesn't operate to make a profit. No business does. Um, it is bizarre. I agree, Robbo. The AFL says it's about maximising crowd numbers, which really means it's maximising money. Just as a, out of curiosity, you know, you've got a club that's got 85,000 members in Collingwood. I don't know what Geelong's got, but they've got more than that ground can fit anyway. There's a lot of sheep and, yeah. and goats. Yep. And so, chickens. You know what? You do have to take in the human equation of, you know, we do want fans to be able to see their teams that they're supported throughout the year. So what's the capacity that's skilled? It's about 48,000 or something, which pretty much at the best sure, of time is sure skilled with people high. praying to their corn god. Yeah, I'm still going for to Robbo. The AFL takes all the money from the final series, so, of course, they want the final at the MCG. They've never won at a final at the MCG before, so it is amazing you've done this detective work. So when um, GWS, they played our home final last year, I believe, and about 7,000 people turned yep. up, were they... Just uh, rubbing the coffers really hard that oh, night. Oh, I AFL. loved it, you know. Because yeah, they did that for money, obviously. Yep. Nothing can be done about it because money overtook fairness and integrity of competition a long time ago. This from a... This is man talking about integrity. Yeah. <laughs> it's, just, it's just lathered with credibility. Irony. Irony can be pretty ironic sometimes. <laughs> what makes it more curious... Is AFL executives receive cash bonuses for KPIs? Really? Uh, I saw Gillen lighting a yeah, cigar with a hundred dollar <laughs> yeah. note once uh, we made the top four. Yeah. So Robbo's probably onto something. Uh, to be fair, well, it's good that you can see the other side. The finals income is huge and benefits all of the sport, but would have thought integrity <laughs> integrity of competition was more important. Com- a competition which has done things like. So the wow. draw is uh, salary, fair. Yeah. Draw is fair. Salary. Um, can't we play each other twice. So discrepancies. Uh, let Sydney take Buddy Franklin and Kurt Tippett in the same year. There's no... Uh, sorry, within two years. No issues there. It's about the integrity of the competition. By the way, do you know your club was involved in the big supplement scandal a few no, years ago? No, no, There was no scandal. Um, no integrity there. No, as uh, Robbo was in the bat for them uh, every step of the way. As famous? Because or he has Integrity. Integrity. Um, as infamous Collingwood supporter Dingo pointed out, Tigers basically play all their games at the MCG. Last seven games they've played at the MCG. All finals are generally played at the MCG. That doesn't bother anyone. Doesn't bother anyone that Geelong has this home ground advantage in this narrow sheep paddock down there in Geelong, and that helps them get into finals year after year. Mm. So mm. it's about integrity. Folks, Wayne Carey says we're just making up the numbers in the finals. Yeah, good. And you know what I was thinking? You know what, Wayne? You're not getting the you're not getting the gist of what's going on here. It's about integrity, okay? I thought the AFL make up the numbers so they could lighten their pockets. <laughs> we actually had the toughest draw of. Any club this year, because that's what happens when you come second. You get the toughest draw, and the team wins the flag gets like the fourth toughest draw. So, and, <laughs> or Richmond. Or Richmond. They had like the Richmond. 12th toughest draw yeah. after they won the flag. They had feathers in it. Yep. And then we played 11 games against top eight sides, which is more than anyone else played in the top eight. So the next best was 10 by the Bulldogs, because obviously, you know, they finished what, like 15th last year, so they needed a tough draw also. And Essendon played nine. But we had the most wins against other teams in the top eight. So we went 7-4. Geelong went 5-3. 
Bulldogs went 5-5, Richmond went 5-4, West Coast went 4-4, GWS went 4-5, Brisbane went 4-4, and Essendon went 2-7. I actually found that interesting because I was thinking with all the injuries we had, with the fixturing, with all the shit, we had, you know, the Stevenson integrity scandal and all that sort of shit, we finished fourth. I know results had to fall our way, but it's like, who cares, you know, because everyone was losing games. It is what it is. Yep, it is what it is in the end. So I think we've actually done pretty well. I think Wayne That's Kerry big of you to say considering how critical you were of the entire season. Oh, we played like shit. I think we should have went undefeated. <laughs> so side bottom missed round twenty three with a ruptured testicle. What the fuck, man? Seriously, how do you rupture a testicle? I think there was someone at the grassy knoll. <laughs> I think that would have been Jaden Stevenson on his <laughs> day back on the VFL. I think he just clambered over the fence and got on the grass, you know. I am actually astonished that in two years I've had side bottom rupture testicle, Cox tear a retina, and Trelaw do two hamstrings. That's amazing. It's it's seriously, you know, it's like you're playing some fucking bizarre game which is just throwing up random injuries. It's like we bought a copy of Grey's Anatomy and we're working through it in alphabetical order. Can you quote me who said this after we reported that Steel side bottom was going to miss... The Essendon game. I struggle with the supernatural, but I'm 100% convinced Buckley is cursed. I think that was me. Okay. I actually look at it from the point of view of... Uh, I actually think Mason Cox aside, and if we can get Darcy Moore right, he'll be an able substitute. We're pretty much at full strength. Who would you bring back into that side? Um, Aish, maybe. maybe. Yeah, Aish would have been the, uh, the obvious one. Well, and this is sort of uh, including Stevenson, Degali, and Moore as they're going to play. No, if, the, if, if, if if everything, all the stars align and these guys come into the first final, um, the only thing we're really lacking is that cohesiveness in terms yep. of preparation going in. Um, but, geez, it's a handy-looking side. It is. I, I Again, Aish is the only one, and I look at Aish as, well, who are you going to displace? It's going to have to be someone like Scharenberg. Um, you know, so I think at, where they're at, uh, in their careers, it's pretty much like for like in terms of what they're offering the side. They're different players, but just in terms of their output, they're going to get about 15, 20 possessions. Uh, they're both nice, neat kicks. They're both still really fine in their ways. Yep. So I don't think, you know, where... Sorry, I'm not being unfair to Aish, but just sort of, you know, he's not somewhere terribly missing at the moment. He's, he's going to be, because he's had a shoulder rego yeah. or something, hasn't he? So, I don't he's know how about running and stuff. He'd, he he'd be great to have back, but again, it's just sort of, you know, in that 8-22 slot. Um... So big query is going to be fitness. Guys like Dunn and Wells are not part of the equation. No, and they shouldn't be. I know people are floating about, oh, well, if we get Wells' body right, which I'm still seeing on like Twitter and shit, it's like, if we can get Wells' body right, because that's worked so well the last three years. Oh, that's a big if. Oh, you know, no doubt in the guy's got skill, but it, it, he's not Burgoyne who's played until, what's Burgoyne now, about 46? He's about 98 yeah, years old. Yeah, you know, I mean, you're still... 98 quite, years young. He's still, you know, dominating, whereas Wells... He carved him up on uh, against the Eagles the other night, and you think, jeez, how old, mate, seriously. He looks like he's got another 10 years in him, dude. But that's the thing, is like, you know, every player has an end date. Wells is about four years ago, <laughs> and then we signed him to a three-year contract. Was it a four-year contract? Um, there's no disrespect to Wells, but he's he has had a career where he's missed chunks of seasons. When it happened to Buckley, Buckley's legs just went out from under him. And that was it. Bang, his career was over. It just happens to everyone. And mm-hmm. people still go, but if we can get his body right, maybe we should get Anthony Rocker in there too. You know, I think we can get his body right. Yeah. Um, so, Moore's gone from unlikely to play to, yes, he could be back. Yes, we think he'll be back. 
Uh, a stat from, I don't know where Magpie Russ got it from, but more seven hamstring issues since the start of 2018. In four of those games, he's played less than 35 minutes, which is not great. Which more, the one thing I'd say, if it is partly mental, I'd just say, mate, if it goes again, or if you feel it's gone, that's the end of your 2019. You know what? I think that's inevitable. Yeah, but yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's inevitable. So you know what? If you feel it tightening and you're a little bit worried, you know what? Just fucking charge through it. It'll either break and that's going to be the end of your 2019 anyway. Or you're going to break some psychological barrier and go, you know what? My body's a bit more durable than I thought it was going to be. Yeah, the other thing interesting of more is I remember when you did it against West Coast 98 weeks ago. When they were reporting what happened to him, I can't remember the boundary right it was, but he said, he, just, he goes, he sprinted right past me. It can't be a hamstring problem because he was running that fast. And it turned out to be a hamstring problem, which I actually found really curious. Tyson Goldsack says, Swingman, Ben Reed is likely to come back. <laughs> you know why they call him a swingman? Because okay. he swings past you on the way to the infirmary? He can do either hamstring. Oh, that's it. That's true. Um, you know, yeah, no. Reed was a gun, but, you know, seriously, again, you you got to minimize the possible players that could lose in finals. Sire left the VFL ground with concussion. Josh Dagos had 36 disposals. And I think you get back, I don't actually understand some of the anti-Josh Dagos sentiment that runs around. Like, I don't know if people are just sort of thinking it was going to be like his dad and come out and be a gun from the beginning. And when he's not, it's like, oh shit, this guy must be shit. I reckon the two games he's been dropped following the North and the Hawthorne game. It was like, you, everyone was shit those the games. Why are people singling him out? And the games against Melbourne and the Gold Coast, uh, admittedly lesser opposition, he did really well. So I actually think he's tracking pretty well. I don't think he's in selection contention, but I just sort of mentioned it because he's been dominating in the VFL this year. Oh, thanks for bringing that up. Yep. Wells in cruise control. You saw the VFL. How did Wells look? <coughs> <coughs> that good. Like that, huh? Um, he just seemed to canter around a, a fair bit, which I think was really just the, the purpose of just getting some run into his legs. What do you think about this game coming up against the Cats? They had a bit of a dip in form, but they've looked pretty good. They've got them back on track. That's the thing. I, they, look, I think their form um, post the buy has been patchy. Were they 5-5 five and five or something after the buy? Um, I think they're worried. Um, the fact that they're coming out straight off the bat and bleating about the ground unfairness, um, it's almost like they're trying to mask the fact that their finals record has been pretty shit. So they had three wins out of 12 cracks or something in the last few years. Um, they should be concerned. Um, well, I think they are concerned, and they're, and they're almost trying to preempt the loss with, with reasons why our minds aren't on the prize. I think if we go in focused, and a lot about whether we are geared to be mentally looking to atone for last year is going to come out on that Friday night. Um, if we go in there limp, I think we're mentally cactus um, but we should by all rights can I say win are we, are we allowed to say win um, I think you have integrity if this was a Malthouse type game he would have already turned the tables on, on Geelong and started preying on those weaknesses get those um, doubts going in their minds about um, their finals record etc etc the fact that they're trying to deflect now um, I, I'd sincerely hope you know, Buckley's a nice bloke but it wouldn't mind him coming out with a few little uh, you know, kidney jabs and, and, and get those um, get that down in there. I think you need every edge you can in this game. On paper, they probably look, I suppose, a little bit more of the form side um, in terms of consistency over the season, um, but I think we can get them. 
I think if um if Malthouse was there, he'd be saying stuff like, "Oh, regardless of where it's being played, they did finish minor premiers." So the expectation is that they'll be the ones who will win. And oh, he was a master of putting, yeah. uh, putting the um, the heat back on the opposition side. I mean, okay, so you got more likely to retain his spot. Yep. And side bottom, uh, Degali and Stevenson to come in, probably at the expense of Noble, Magden, Varko, uh, Varko Callum or Brown. Brown. One of those two I think will go. I think if it came down to Brown and Varko, I think he'd go with Varks. Yeah, probably because of the finals experience. Yep. Um, against his old side and all that but jeez didn't like that that cross from the goal squares that was a fair bet he won't do it ever again you think <laughs> uh, yeah so what you said I think is entirely accurate the, I think the whole year has played out like Geelong's 2009 where in 208 they went 21-1 for the home and away season lost guess who they lost that one game to uh, and then they lost the grand final to the Hawthorne. And the following year, they just sort of did enough to get in the top four. And it was almost like they learned, you know, we busted our asses to get to, you know, minor premiers and what did it achieve yeah. for us. And Brisbane were very similar during their period of dominance. I think even Hawthorne was like that during their free peak. It was just like, we just need to get there. Once we're there, all bets are off. And, you know what? Given the way it's fixtured, if it's not being at Skilled Stadium, whatever the hell it's called, it's, um, you know, we finished fourth, but it's at the MCG. So you're playing a ground that you should know relatively well. You shouldn't have any excuses. So you should be able to just, if you're for real, up a level in terms of intensity mm-hmm. and, you know, use last year's failure. Uh, yeah, I'm going to fucking call it a failure. Oh, this is a failure. To actually motivate you to another level. Yep, I agree. The, the only funny thing is typically Collingwood. It, it's like, you know, we're talking about it. it we both probably felt it was better to finish fifth and to actually just have yeah. ongoing games. That, I, we did say that a couple of times, but... The biggest query... We will, have to go with yeah, where we are yeah, now. Yeah. And the double chance, yeah. you know, we may need it. Yeah. Biggest query... Pro- I mean, the biggest right is more. If his body breaks down, I mean, I, I'd seriously be buckling that. would seriously be looking at that game. You know what? Fuck. Maybe we'll play Reed because he's... He might break down, but we know if he breaks down... He might take out some other people with shrapnel. No, but he'll actually, you know... He won't just jog off at a cramp or some shit. Um, Moore's got all his talent, and you just want him to break the game open. And you think he's on the cusp there. Like, he showed some glimpses of brilliant form with people comparing to Peter Knights and all that. I still think he's a forward anyway. But... Yeah, well, um, just on that, I, I'd be inclined, um, if we're going to talk positional changes that I'd throw him up forward for this game I should, I, I and put Ruffy be. down back and I think you know, maybe psychologically he'll feel that he doesn't have to run as hard and be um, more attacking as he is like when he's defending that he can have a little bit more you know, not resting but you won't have to run or work as hard as, as a forward as he would in defence maybe up here I don't know I, I still think yeah like you he's he's Probably for this, he should be up forward. He should be. Up, I think he should be up forward full time. Anyway, I mean that's where his career will lay if he can get his body right. But he's a big concern because if you lose him in the first half or first quarter or whatever, then immediately you're really handicapped in terms of who do you play where because you're not going to have Magnum there as a tall defender. So I, I think in terms of quality, you've got to take that risk. And I'd rather know in the first final that if he's going to go bang, that then let it happen then rather than later on. I actually seriously wouldn't mind if they say he's right, if they feel he's right, if they give him some seriously heavy fucking duty training 
in the next two weeks and just go, if you're going to break, I'm going to break you right here. What about the hypnotism? Well, we could try that. But here's the one I have the big question mark over. Um, the others are doing well. I think, you know, we can match them in terms of personnel and all that sort of shit. They beat us opening round when we were both really just still working out how we, you know, were operating. We had Beans in there, which was, uh, and Elliot was just coming back, so we had a few guys who was trying to fit into the puzzle. Yeah. But, yeah, I'm really thinking, of the teams in the top four, the one who worries me would be Richmond, because they're really starting to come good. Mm. And they've gotten everyone back, and they've gotten that self-belief, whereas the others, I think, the others in the eight, I look at them all and think, I think we can beat them. And I think there's a few, I'm not counting Geelong in this list, but there's a few who I think we can beat at 90%. You know, whereas Richmond and Geelong, I think we need to be at our best, and Geelong is mm. the test right now. Yep. Uh, I will say one thing though. You know, can we stop fucking celebrating this club for being just mediocre? <laughs> I, I, I seriously saw this meme which I sent to you, which pissed me off, which was Eddie Maguire holding an eagle by the throat and saying, "Who's choking now?" Because Eagles lost to Hawthorne. Yeah, no, that's not the club that comes out with that. Club, I know though. it's not, but that's the, it's yeah. the majority of the supporter base who seem to think this is something to hang your hat on. Yeah, it's like what? Because Eagles dropped from fourth to fifth. Does that make up for the grand final loss? I, that just that really fucking annoys me. It's like you know what? Stop celebrating other clubs' failures. You know, sure you can laugh at Melbourne's and shit like that, ending up second last. But really, come on, you know, let's build some new accomplishments stop fucking hanging their hats I mean it killed me when Hawthorne was going for four in a row and Brisbane was going for four in a row it was like oh I've got to protect that record from 1927 28, 29, 30 it's like really how many of protecting that record or if we're going to protect it we do it by getting in the grand final and smashing the team who's trying to get it and we make some new fucking history so I just want the whole club and all supporters just go you know what all starts again now let's fucking do something special and let's not celebrate him for just being there mm. you know it's got to yep. be better so your tip um, Collingwood by 18, 18 points by 18 points Collingwood by 49 points oh, you're confident then yeah anyway we won't be back next week no we're, we're taking a, a week off and we're going to the hot spas with the team really no I was going to the tab with Jaden <laughs> like the soft drink you have a soft drink with him huh, that's terrible people don't even know what a tab is so. uh, you, you know, want a tab you got to order something first what a movie like, subscribe, leave comments, mm-hmm. stuff like that. Send and us, send us an, an, an email. Don't send us an email. Why? Because we had to answer it. We don't have an email address. Oh, so anyway. <laughs> anyway, we'll see you in two weeks, hopefully with happy faces. Yes. Go Woods. Oh, good in the bin. Good in the bin. <laughs> what a shot. That's never happened before. No. I think it's we can win the flag now. Right. Later. The, that bin is flag shaped.